Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City. from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I am covered in an avalanche of sackings. Just left, right, and center. Sackapalooza. Um, pretty incredible few hours. Yeah, yeah. Madness today. Um, I mean, you get a text message. So I got one uh, this afternoon. Like, I saw the Brendan Rodgers news, and then I went outside. I was playing with my kids for a while. I thought you were going to say I went outside to weep. No, no. I was playing with my kids. I kind of like unplugged a little bit from from sports, from the internet, from Twitter, whatever. And then yeah. I got a text from uh, our our mutual friend Berenson, and it said something to the effect of like, "Boy, everybody's getting sacked this year," something like that. And I was just like, I, I thought he was still reacting to Brendan Rodgers. Like I hadn't <laughs> seen it, and so I was like, "Yeah." And, and then I went on Twitter. I was like, "Oh my god, no! Now now Potter's gone. Like it's just, yeah. it's 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 unbelievable." And it wasn't like there wasn't interesting football to talk about this weekend. It's just Chelsea have stolen the news cycle on on Sunday night. Yes, yes, they sure have. Um, So we're going to talk, of course, about that, of course, about Rodgers. We'll get into a little bit of the United-Newcastle, a little bit of City-Liverpool, maybe a little bit of the bottom of the table as things have now shuffled uh, with West Ham's victory now a lot of pressure moves to Everton as they face Spurs on Monday afternoon. So there's there's a lot going on. But yeah, we start at Stamford Bridge at Cobham, where uh, this afternoon, what did they say, around 2.45, uh, I guess, Greenwich Mean Time. Eastern Standard Time. Or was it Eastern Time? I don't know. I don't, I don't no, know. No, it would be Greenwich Mean Time. Greenwich uh, Mean Time. Graham Potter was, was sacked by Chelsea. I guess after, I mean, it would be... It would be wrong of us to say, I didn't see this coming. Where? Uh, how is this? Huh? What? It must be a mistake. I mean, we know the club. We know what the results have been. Uh, so it can't be 
it just can't be stunning. Now, I'll go through a couple things immediately that stood out to me before we get into the real kind of nuts and bolts of the firing itself. Um, the first thing that stood out to me was just, boy, like, even if even if we were saying it's not stunning still, to sack a manager seven months into a five-year contract, like, it does tell you something that this board was truly fed up or that they simply or that Todd Bowley simply has stupid money or both of those things. Although it sounds like they, they did reach an agreement. So Potter isn't necessarily receiving his full amount in this payout, but I'm sure it's still a significant sum. I mean, seven months of a five-year contract, it's gotta be, yeah. gotta be getting a lot of money there. Um, and then the other thing that stood out to me was how wrong I was um, just, what was it last week or a week and a half ago, whenever it was, when I, I said to you that I I was of the belief that Potter and Chelsea turning it around on Borussia Dortmund and advancing in the Champions League, I thought that that would kind of be his stay of execution for this season. That, well, that, I, given given the fact that they're not that they're not contending for anything in the Premier League, like it's not like okay, that's good, but we still need to be fighting on multiple fronts. We're still trying to battle for top four. They're not like that. That is now all just kind of a formality, and they can fo- they're focusing on this one competition. Um, and I thought him doing that, getting that win, maybe that would have been enough to at least see out the season. But nope, they do not trust him in that in in that competition either. Um, but I think I think you're under you're understating how quickly Chelsea came to this decision. Like what you said may very well be true. They may have been satisfied enough with the advancement against Borussia Dortmund with their position in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That may all be true. But whatever they saw on Saturday afternoon spooked the hell out of them. And um, Ben Jacobs, by the way, who I met once, he's a great follow. In fact, I think because of the detail he puts in, I prefer him more than the here we go guy. Um, but I, I really do like him. And uh, ben, uh, ben tweeted this. Graham Potter has been sacked by Chelsea. Very unexpected and fast moving development based on this morning. All happened very quickly. It was anticipated he'd manage against Liverpool, but things move quickly and Potter is now gone. So this feels like it's got the touch of the bowley on it. You know, if we've seen anything about him, he seems like a very instinctual kind of gut manager. You know, he gets rid of Tuchel, although that was probably coming because of Tuchel's refusal to listen to him about signing Cristiano Ronaldo and, and varying other things. That obviously was, yeah. That wasn't the only reason, but... um. Certainly, uh, the dispatches we got suggested that Tuchel had, or Bowley had reached a, uh, he just had enough of this guy. But it, it seems as if, you know, in, in his pursuit of players, if if there's a name that's on the tip of the tongue of everybody, he's like, go get the, bring me this man, bring me this man, you know, Michaela Mudrick, et cetera, et cetera, more of which a little bit later. But it, it does seem to have been a very instinctual kind of uh, triggered reaction. Now, yeah. If you did watch Chelsea against Aston Villa, you'd be like, yeah, (laughs) they were crap. No, they weren't. They created, they did create chances. And I will say this, and I'll get to Mudrick right now. (laughs) What's Graham Potter supposed to do when you're, Uh, when your guy is 1v1 with the goalkeeper and he does that? I have like word for word, the same thing in my notes. Like, Like, uh, like, he can't shoot for the guy. No, all, and in, all a good coach can do is put his players in position to succeed. If they don't, well, it's what is it? Still the coach's fault? Yeah. No, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with people that there was not, like there. W- I saw some signs of improvement. I really did think I saw stuff. Now maybe it's just me uh, reacting to the Chilwell uh, effect when Chilwell came back in the side. I think they're better with him in the side. I think um, 
I think also, um, you know, Reese James as well. I, I like the balance that they get from those players. Another thing, somebody that's a, kind of was a, a, a general at Brighton for him. And, you know, how can you account for what Kukurea did? Like, the, like such a crazy header that puts Ali Watkins in, he scores. Yeah. I um I have a lot of sympathy for Graham Potter, but it does feel like this is the hand of Bowley on it. Like it, it whatever he whatever Todd Bowley saw at the weekend did not inspire confidence that uh, this is going to get better in the way that he wants it to, and so he's gone. And there's some great tweets going around at the moment. I, I just want Jamie Carragher's uh, one to be read at this point because I'm curious. Uh, and I don't I don't mean to hijack you as pilot, uh, Andrew, but. Uh, Cara goes, uh, Todd said he would be different to Roman, which he did. Uh, crying laughter emojis twice. I feel for Graham Potter, but it was inevitable. You don't change Tuchel for Potter. Ridiculous decision to start with. I cannot get to that place. I don't see how it's ridiculous. Now, in the sense of Chelsea will always be the Chelsea that has Chelsea'd under Roman Abramovich, then yeah, it's in their DNA. You win, you win, and then when you don't win, you get replaced. Or in the case of VS Boys and guys like that, they never won, and so they got kicked out. But I, I didn't never thought it was ridiculous to give Graham Potter that job. I agree, and I saw that from Jamie Carragher, and I, Why? I don't know, he, he's like a confidence with which he said it. Like I was questioning myself. Yeah. Like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Like, but I, I didn't feel that it was ridiculous either. None of that. Like I didn't think it was ridiculous when Tuchel got fired i didn't think it was a ridiculous appointment for potter to come in and replace him no and if you look at Potter's cv in terms of the way he's worked his way up okay it's his first like elite level job i, I like i that's obvious um but I'm, I'm just surprised by some of these reactions that oh it was never going to work that is um, that, that feels that is very hindsight analysis to me well it's not just him so i i continue henry winter Times, one of the best paid journalists, uh, certainly the best football paid football journalist in England. End of an error. He starts the tweet. A play on end of an era. Yeah, I, I, thank you. Graham Potter sacked. Good coach, but not elite level yet. Never looked or sounded like a Chelsea manager. I'm still trying to decode that. What, what does that, that mean? He doesn't look like a Chelsea manager. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Some... Does he not? Like, what do you want him to do? Like, get. Carlo Ancelotti's face on his face. Is that what you need? Never won the fans over, not least because of some strange tactics and players out of position. I, I definitely think there was a lot, of, there was heavy squad rotation. A lot of players were looked at, but like he has a huge squad. He's trying to keep millionaire brats happy. That's not easy. Uh, some sympathy as he, wa- as he wasn't bought a center forward. Oh, what? You mean Obama Yang didn't check that box for you? N- n- I, I don't think he would have checked that box for anyone, really. Not no, really. I don't, I don't think so. I was being sarcastic i I don't think it's um, i don't think it's ridiculous for like for the i don't know if if we had made a list back in september of the most up-and-coming premier league managers you know guys outside of the top six clubs who's the most up-and-coming coveted manager from beneath those teams he probably would have been number one on that list i don't think it's crazy for that for the person occupying that place to be installed as manager of one of the top six clubs in England. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm okay. I'm generally fine with that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I see some of that as, as look, yeah, if that's your take, like, then you're, you're right. 
it is the end of an error. It was a mistake. We can see that now. It wasn't the right appointment. But I don't know. I, I, I know that I didn't believe that in the moment necessarily, so I'm not going to go back and change the way I feel about it now. I mean, it's 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 fair what Carragher says in that Chelsea, uh, through the pronouncements of Bowley, appeared to be looking for a change in attitude. Like, we're going to do this a different way. We're going to build. We're going to have a young, vibrant manager as opposed to some kind of a serial winner to come in and manage us. Um, but I think there was huge concern about that. I think it all came to a head, honestly, Saturday, 2-0 at home to Aston well, Villa. You, you said that this had the what was it the words you used the touch of bully the touch of bully my touch yeah. my feel my t- oh oh god in heaven um <laughs> uh you know like there's reports that I, I think it was Sky Sports that I saw this reported on that um members of the Chelsea board wanted this to happen as far back as in January and bully and bully was the one who would not relent that he well, was the one interesting. that he was the one saying no we're gonna we're gonna see this through. Um, and I just wonder if that position for Bowley, if he's fending off his board, uh, you know, if, if his position became untenable, that he couldn't defend it any longer, especially like the, if the board could be saying to him, look, we, we've gone with this as far as we can in, in supporting you as the owner of this club to continue with this manager, but look where we're at in the champions league now. Okay, like for everything else in the season, we've allowed this season to spiral out of control and the hopes that this manager would get it back together. But in the Champions League, we could actually do something. We're in the we're into the quarterfinals and we're facing the defending champions in Real Madrid. Todd, do you really believe that this man is the is the guy who can get past Real Madrid in in a Champions League quarterfinal? And I I could see I mean, what could Bowley really answer that question with? Yes, I I don't think I don't think that's possible. The so, Chelsea the Chelsea directors actually are Baghdad Egbali, Jose Feliciano, Mark Walter, Hans Jorg Weiss, Jonathan Goldstein, Barbara Chiron, Lord Daniel Finkelstein OBE, James Paid, and David Barnard. So there's a lot of voices there who have what I call them old shells, but they'd have a lot of experience of knowing the juncture at which we gotta get rid of this guy. Like now we, here's now here's the question: If you're bully with what you could have responded with, you know, like okay, fair. I don't know that Graham Potter is the guy to do this, but like, is this really just about right now? You know, like it's go go ahead, install another manager to replace Potter. I still don't know that I'm picking Chelsea under X manager Nagelsmann, Deserbi. Although they're not hiring Deserbi, I can't I can't foresee that. Um, whoever Zidane. I'm still probably not picking Chelsea against Real Madrid. So like now you've you've eliminated a project. We always say progress isn't always linear. You know, whatever whatever learning experiences could have come from this through, through Potter if they had stuck with it. Like they they've gotten rid of all that and they're doing a complete reset with the hopes of maybe defeating Real Madrid in a Champions League quarterfinal that they're probably not going to win regardless of who's managing the team. So uh I, I can see I don't know. We've over the years of this podcast, JJ, we've de- we've dealt with a lot of these managerial firings, where some have been obvious. Like I think of like De Boer when that happened. Some have been tougher in terms of trying to judge if it was right or wrong. Pochettino comes to mind. Ranieri comes to mind. This with Potter for me is is it goes into that really difficult to figure out if it was right or wrong category. Like I, I'm I don't know about you. I'm I'm struggling with it. I am like 
look, 22 games in charge in the Premier League and seven wins. Okay, that like shut out nine times, averaging less than a goal per game. Like that might put you in the danger zone at a lot of clubs, let alone Chelsea that believes they should be contending for titles. I mean, I totally agree with you. It was a he's had a horrendous run of of results, like really terrible. Um, I remember Ken Early comparing because because Potter was always like, hey. Look, look at Arteta. They stuck with him. Mm-hmm. Mikel Arteta never had a run as bad as him. Never. So no, I, not, I, not I, over this length of time. No. Where, no. where sample size becomes large enough where you can start to justify it. No. In, in stacking I, a guy. Yeah. And look, I have a, a soft spot for, for Potter because the things he did at Brighton. And I really do like the way a manager kind of earns his stripes, works his way all the way up. But the results yeah. were horrendous. Horrendously bad. And also there's the... Part part of it for me, anyways, and certainly the way the board of directors would probably look at it, and definitely Todd Bowley, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, Enzo Fernandez in there purring away in your midfield. Uh, you have say what you want about him, but they spent an an S ton on Mudrick, a huge, huge amount of Mudrick. Um, he was also probably expected. Can you get a note out of Kai Havertz, please? Yeah. Like a consistent note. Um, yeah, so. that that It's weird. That $550 million, that number that is, is now so famous uh, which, uh, associated with Chelsea with how much they've spent over the last two windows, it's a gift and a curse. Like, yeah, like it's what every manager, I suppose, you know, we're going to talk about Ten Hag and some of Gary Neville's comments about what Manchester United, how they didn't support him in mm-hmm. January. Um, but like, it's also like so that's what every manager wants and craves is to be supported by their board in that way. Go out and, and give me the best player. Spend, spend. We talk about Conte. Good lord. Would he what would he say about getting five hundred fifty million? Would the, probably wouldn't be enough for him, but <laughs> at any rate. Uh, but it is also to spend that much in such a short amount of time, like that is also a bit of a curse. I mean, it's unprecedented the amount of money they spent in that zone. Like, think of the squad turnover. How many new pieces just shuffled in? We said as it was happening, like, yes, these are great names, but like, what is the actual plan here? But I would, and, and to put that in front of a new manager on, and on top of that, JJ, so you got the squad turnover to to the tune of, like you just said, an unprecedented number, the injuries, and not just like, yeah, that guy, squad rotation guy. No, Reese James, Chilwell, Tiago Silva, uh, Ngolo Conte, Fafana, Sterling, Pulisic, yeah. Broja, like. Obama Yang, whatever you think of him, just that, like, that's to name a few. Like, there's been others. As Pelaqueta has been in and out. Like, uh, you know, this is the, the turnover, the injuries. Um, it's like upheaval on so many different levels for a manager who has not managed a club like this before. Um, and then just think- players not playing up to expectation. Like you said, Mudrick, like, what is, what is Potter supposed to do there? I mean, this is why I, I say that I, this goes into the category of really hard to, to kind of adjudicate for me as to whether or not it was right or wrong, because like there are both sides can make totally legitimate arguments as to why he should or should not have gone. And maybe we're looking at this the wrong way in terms of right or wrong. Just the way football clubs operate now. Let's let's we, we have the money. We can pay him out over whatever period. It's easier to get rid of him than get in a load of other players. We've already, we're already like absolutely up to our neck. Uh, in in contracts for these guys, get them out, get them out now. Start afresh, go again. Uh, maybe maybe we look at it really naively. 
Um, well, and, and he lost the fans too. I mean, they're chanting, "You don't know what you're doing." The the I, I don't know if it's right or not for again, for that for the fans to have a say, but but when you're already on shaky ground, where members of the board have been asking for you to be sacked since January, and then you lose the fans in that kind of way. I mean, the fans it, were on his back early. We, I mean, early. We weren't even talking about. Uh, we were talking about, I mean, the boos this week were, were very pronounced, obviously, because Saturday, what, Saturday, maybe I should have seen it coming, but Saturday did feel, ooh, he might, he might be in trouble here. Um, but they were booing him months ago. Months ago. Yeah. Removing uh, for a second the fact that, like, Chelsea are going to pay a manager a lot of money. Like, we know that, but just try to remove that from your mind for a sec, the salary figure. Okay. Is, is this a highly coveted job? Yes. Okay. Champions League, regular Champions League team. But they won't be. Like I'm talking about now, if you're coming into this position now, they won't be. But and they still have sort of this mix this mix and match squad that we're not exactly sure if these Chelsea, pieces fit together. It's Chelsea Football Club in a salubrious part of London with high profile owners, uh, money washing around a, a team that is front and center in world soccer. Yeah, it is. And it's in the biggest league in the but, world. But but owners that also look appear at this point to potentially have a, a quick trigger finger on sacking a manager. Yeah, but you still do it. You'll still do it. It's still it's still very very attractive. So if you're uh if you're Julian Nagelsmann, he appears to be the favorite for this job. Now there's reports that he does not that he may not want to leave um Germany. Um he may want to take a little bit of time and survey his options this summer. Um but again, Todd Bowley clearly has, you know, like hundred dollar bills in his ashtray. Like if if he ponies up, Nagelsmann potentially will do it. But I'm well, Fabrizio Romano saying Julian Nagelsmann is the favorite yeah. to replace Graham Potter. Uh, Nagelsmann was mentioned yesterday during internal discussions. Julian is considered a talented coach. Talks are ongoing to make the best decision. So that is vague enough. I I have heard reports out of Germany that Nagelsmann doesn't want any job right now. That he wants to just go skiing, chill, or go on a skateboard, or the things that Julian Nagelsmann probably go shopping. Uh, he is. Is he a renowned shopper? Sartorially, he is in the elite. I mean, you don't know. Nagelsmann, he turns up for a game and you think, oh, he's off to a rave afterwards, clearly. <laughs> um, he could be wearing anything, absolutely anything. In fact, Andrew, uh, and this is a little segue. We will talk more later about it. We attempted to enter a cool bar where lots of people were dressed like Julian Nagelsmann oh my on God. Friday night. It was horrifying, humbling, humbling. If you ever, and, and like we're both New Yorkers now, let's be honest. Um, we've spent long enough here to consider ourselves that. There is a difference between thinking, like loving New York, going to bars, restaurants, but being New York cool, this level of cool. Um, these people thought they were that, and they looked at us with utter disdain. But we'll I've talk- never, I've never actually experienced that before. It was awful. It was like, awful being being like visibly judged. Yeah, like there was no question about what was happening there. It was shocking. Those guys at the bar turned around, looked us up and down, said "Hey," and then turned back, like it, as if, as if. You shouldn't be here. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's they might as well. That. They might as well have said, "Excuse me, are you lost? <laughs> May <laughs> and, we help you?" And we, but even the maitre d, he was like shocked. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
it's like if um, you're having a dinner party and you think your kids are in bed and then they suddenly burst into all in front of all your office workers and they have like a nappy full of poop and they start smearing it on the walls. And you're like, oh, God, this is the worst thing ever. That's how they looked at us. Like it, we were, it almost it felt to me more like we were like Truman in the Truman show and we weren't supposed to have been there because like the crew was setting up for another scene or something. Yeah. And so like they needed to do something quickly to get us out. We Grandpa Simpsons did. We literally walked in, took a look, but more more so we were looked at, and then we got out of the. Well, were they named the bar? I don't remember that? what it was called. Temperance. <laughs> and 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 oh God, and and you know what broke my heart more than anything? What's that? Was that like we were looking? All we wanted was one more drink, and we were going to go home. We'd had our dinner; it was lovely. But what broke my heart was you, because you walk by and you go, "Ah, oh, that looks really cool." It's really cool. And we walked half a block and you went, do you want to go back to that really cool looking bar? Well, I was afraid we were just going to be walking aimless. I, we've all had that experience in New York where you, you say, oh, let's go to the next one. Next thing you know, 30 minutes have gone by. You should have just gone to the original one. Yeah. And it did it, look cool. It, I, no, won't, I, I won't take it back. No. And we just, I'll never we, go back there again, but we can't, I mean, we can't, we wouldn't be let in the door. Like our, our, our faces will be literally on the wall of this place. Just, just humbling. So humbling. But anyway, to get back to football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Point. The point being that Julian Nagelsmann dresses like the people that will be in that would be in temperance. To me, there there will be a day and time for us. I don't know how long this search is going to go for Chelsea. They might just, I mean, are they really going to finish out the season with an interim manager in a Champions League quarterfinal? I don't know. Maybe they are. Um, if they can't get Nagelsmann now, they maybe they'll feel forced to wait and see if they can get him in the summer. If that's truly who they want, to me that that can all be covered at another time. I'm more yeah. interested in Potter right now. And so, like, what is his what is his reputation leaving this job? Is it in does he does he need to go back down? Like, has he been smacked down a peg and needs to go back into kind of like the mid table to reprove himself? A, a thousand, well, a thousand percent. He's so, like, if you're if you're Tottenham, you're not making that phone call. No. OK, you're not doing that because you're Daniel Levy. And. He would have been acutely aware. Of... Now, he is a former Chelsea manager. <laughs> that is true. So so Levy's antenna will be, will but, but like the former Chelsea managers that were hired, maybe maybe um, VS Boys aside, had more of a pedigree. I, I know. I, I, it's I, I, no, it's funny, though, because I, I mean, a year worked. and a half, two years ago, this is, a guy, not... this, this is a guy that Tottenham probably were interested in. Um, well, but, we know they were, and yeah. he he said he. I don't think, and and Everton had approached him, and he said he wasn't interested. And now he will be very interested in any uh, job that can come his way, because he'll want to get back on the horse straight away. Yeah, uh, you're probably you're probably right. I do think I still kind of I don't know. He's not someone that I would quit on after this. No, like, I don't. I, I I like him. I think he's, I think he's a good manager. I think he will be a good manager somewhere else, but. Like um, it's tough to go. Like, look at Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lampard got much more time at Chelsea, like way more time. Um, Lampard had to go to Everton. Now Lampard did turn down other jobs, but they were all of the Crystal Palace Norwich variety. You know, I guess in the end, for me, if people are looking for our final verdict on all of this, um, mine would be. I'm curious if this aligns with you. Mine would be, I understand why he was sacked. I'm not going to say that Chelsea acted irrationally here. I get no. it. 
to spend that kind of money and to get that kind of return for your money. I mean, it's like I said, mid-table clubs would have an issue with it. And this is Chelsea who believe they should be contending for for trophies. So I totally get it. Having said all that, I also acknowledge that this man was dealt an unusual hand. Um, and so for me, uh, I don't. I don't view him. He's not some joke to me. Like, oh God, that guy. Like, remember the Potter years, the Potter months at Chelsea. What a what an embarrassment that was. Like, he's he won't be a punchline to me. I still think he's a quality manager. I just think this was a for whatever reason this was a, a bad fit. Um, but I think that's fair. Um, I I just like to finish a, a very good tweet from Michael Goodman, which I kind of I really do agree with. Um. And it kind of sums up where Chelsea are at in their headspace. Uh, He tweets, I think that Chelsea think they want a dynamic young manager to lead a project, but they actually should want a succession of Zinedine Zidane's to come in, be chill leaders for a couple of years at a time. That's that's essentially what they need. They won't won't do this again, at least not with this hire. I think their next hire will be somebody who has big club experience. As as good as, say, someone like, like the hottest, the hottest manager right now outside of the the, the elite managers in England is Dejerby. He's not getting it. I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think that they're going to do this again. Um, and Mike tweets then Max Allegri to the courtesy phone. Max Allegri to the courtesy phone, please. <laughs> Which I mean, that's that's just kind of where that's Chelsea. It's they had they had their one. They had their guy, and their guy was Carlo Ancelotti. I'm convinced of that. And I think Carlo Ancelotti could have reigned for the next for six or seven years after that, and every second or third year they'd win something big, and they'd just keep chugging along. But they didn't. They got rid, and that, and that was that. It does go to show what a great manager he is. That there are probably there are multiple clubs that probably feel that way. About he is him. elite at coming in and just into the big club and winning the big trophy, and generally just doing what a manager at that level should do before he toddles off to the next big job. He's he's different. His mentality just knows, and he knows how to deal with top-level players, like the really top-level players. He seems to be able to always deal with them. Now, I know there's been some Real Madrid supporters this season who have been kind of vocal about saying maybe it's time to move on from Don Carlo, but I think he's brilliant. He really is. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, well, Grand Potter was not the only high-profile sacking on the day, like we mentioned at the top of the show. Brendan Rogers gone. gone. Tremendous character has taken a huge blow, Andrew. Yeah, this is a bad day for those with tremendous character. Yeah, uh, he's out. He is out. Two fifth-place uh, finishes during his time at Leicester City, an FA Cup triumph. Um, I mean, he. I would say, you know, in the end. We're, I'm sure we're going to debate a little bit those fifth place finishes and how they should be viewed. Mm. But overall, what was it? Just last year, he got them to the semifinal of was it the Conference League, the Europa Conference League. So he did take them to a, their first ever semifinal in European competition for whatever you think of that competition. But still, not a bad, not a bad showing. Um, he did a good job of kind of keeping this golden era of Leicester City Football Club alive in the wake of having won that incredible title um like this he's they sustained this period of of lester being kind of viewed among the elite and it's come obviously come crashing down this season 
they're second from bottom now, which is why we're sitting here having this conversation because they're spooked. They're terrified of where this is headed and they don't, they don't want to go down obviously. Um, and so they're, they're going to do everything they can to avoid that from happening. But I think in the end, like it, let's say Brendan Rogers comes back, you know, they're, they're celebrating the FA cup, you know, 10 years from now and they're bringing yeah. everybody back to the club and Brendan Rogers name gets shouted out at uh, Leicester city. I think, I think ovation, I think standing ovation. I, I think generally he'll be regarded well. Not right now, though. So we have a we have some uh, Leicester-based listeners and Leicester supporters. Amongst them is uh, James, who is a good follow on Twitter. Uh, like I enjoy when he gives us the fans' reaction. So he goes, yeah. in case you're wondering, this was the reaction to news of the sacking. And it's a gif of a, a fan park where they're all throwing their beers in the air after a goal. So, uh, so yeah. I, t- I, I tweeted him back. I said, jubilation, question mark. And he said, and relief. And I said, when did it? And, and, and this is with what, nine, 10 games left of a season? Mm-hmm. And they've fallen into the bottom three. I said, when did it start to turn sour for the fans? Uh, his response was, and I, I again, I would have liked to press them for more info, but the worst thing Rogers did was fire our long-term physio and rip up the methods used of what, what was one of the best in the league. And we've had mass injuries since. So that's kind of a supporter's view there of, of the things Rogers did, but I would generally, I would think that he was, you know, generally loved for what he did in the FA Cup. I do think that, man, those those fourth place, those fifth place finishes. When you look at the context, like they fumbled the ball down the stretch. I mean, twice on the final day, losing cost. But, them but that. like even, but the results going into the final day, they should have. Uh-huh. They, they looked secure at times. Yeah, and 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 they messed it up. But the real story here behind the story is um, remember earlier on in the season before they went on that mini revival run, which is now dissipated. Uh, Roger said uh, that when they were in trouble, uh, that Leicester was not the club that it was a couple of years ago. Uh, only uh, I'm reading from the BBC here. Only defender Vout Vess and goalkeeper Alex Smithies were bought in during the summer. With Roger saying the club had to balance the books. In January, they signed defender uh, Harry Souter. From Stoke City, left back Victor, Victor Christensen uh, from Copenhagen and brought in Tete from Ukrainian club Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, and here's the story. In March, Leicester announced pre-tax losses of £92.5 million sterling for the year up to the 31st of May 2022, an increase of £61.3 million compared to the previous 12 months. Um, it goes think, to show how important Champions League qualification would have been for them. It would have been massive. And I think I think that's why they're spooked, again, worried, uh, and, and just cannot fathom the idea of relegation with those kind of numbers floating around. So they've done the thing that's available to them. Um, and there's a lot of reaction. Like, for example, um, you know, you, you see people saying it's, it's un, it's it's unfair and unexpected for someone to come in or trying to get someone to come in now and change this. That's the thing. Like there's so little time. Well, there's, now it's super tight down there. That's the only thing. Yeah, they. You can the bottom of the, the bottom of the table. Is, it's the relegation race is is madness. I don't know. I mean, somebody could probably provide statistics for the last time this many clubs were the, within that many points at this stage. Of I mean, the just season. to give you a flavor, Chelsea are in 11th on 38 points. So they're eight points ahead of Crystal Palace from Palace in 12th down to Southampton. So there's only seven points between Southampton rock bottom 
and uh, Palace at the um, Southampton and Palace and Palace in 12th. But if you look at it, it's then Palace in 12th, 30 points. Wolves, 28 points. West Ham, 27. Forest, 27. Bournemouth, 27. Leeds United, 26. Everton, 26. Insane. Leicester City, 25. It's so tight. And, you know, West Ham's win, which we'll, we'll get to, I mean, it's just rocketed them up the table. Well, that's not, the. Th- I, I think that's not rocketed, but lifted them up. It feels like that, though, when it's all that close. Um, I mean, that that right there might be why they did this. Like their next two games are against Villa and Bournemouth. They can't lose those. But who are so they in? Because as it Tim doesn't Howard, matter. It oh, as Tim they Howard need po- the the new med. Like it might just be a different voice or just like the fire that it injects into the players that they like this manager who was a fixture here, who who got them an FA cup trophy, like different he, voice. He's, he's gone now. Like, like so the, maybe that does something to the team. Like I was just watching um, uh, to, to make a cross sport comparison. I was watching the Phillies season yearbook from 2022. And in it, they talk about when Joe Girardi was fired mid season and they were 22 and 29. And then the team, they fired Girardi, and then they immediately went on this a- absolutely bonkers run after that, which is what got them back kind of into playoff contention and eventually onto a World Series. But uh, I forget which player it was, Kyle Schwarber or Garrett Stubbs. One of them mentioned how when a manager gets fired, every player in their head believes that they are in some way responsible for that having happened. And so I think that does something to a player. I mm. think that that can – and that might be for, – for two games against teams like Villa and Bournemouth, that might just be all that Lester needs to kind of light a fire quickly under certain players to kind of get get something out of these next because then it's Manchester City after that, which we'll talk about City. Uh, it doesn't look like they're losing anytime soon. Uh, so they have they've got to win those games, and they might have just felt that there's nothing that they can do to light a fire under this team right now other than this. And the situation is that dire for them. The thought of going down, like you said, with the losses they've experienced financially, it can't happen. They can't go down. And so this was it. This was this was like the in case of emergency pull cord. We're here now. So I think that's I think that's how you got to this point. If if uh if I may borrow your your question from before, what happens to Brendan Rogers now? Um There's a guy with a very good record, but potentially a relegation on his hands. Yeah. Um well, that's a good question. I think he, I, I mean, think he it, kind of is, I'm trying to think of, you know, let's say, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of what the example would be. I don't know. This is probably the level that he's right for. Like other team, insert other team who is like if Marco Silva goes and gets a Tottenham job or, or whatever, like, would it be crazy for me to think that Fulham would then look at Brendan Rodgers to kind of keep the momentum no, going? Like, I, no. I think that I could see something like that. I think so. That's the that's the level. That is the level of the club, isn't it? Mad that when Mikel Arteta was before he was appointed, Arsenal were looking for their manager. How Brendan Rodgers was asked about his contract and Leicester, and Leicester were doing so well at the time. I remember how coy he was. Well, you know, I'm not going to go into contracts, and and like he wouldn't just come out and say no, I'm right. staying at Leicester, because in his mind he wanted to milk them. No, in his mind, he does see himself at an Arsenal. He does see himself at a a new well, obviously new money Newcastle. He does see himself at a 
uh, he obviously saw himself at Liverpool. Like he 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 saw himself at Celtic. He sees himself in that in that upper tier. And I wonder if everybody just hung on too long. Like he didn't go when his stock was highest. And now he is consigned well, to didn't, But I'm saying though, didn't he get a new contract after making those comments? Uh, he may well have, but I I mean what he really wanted was was Arsenal. Definitely. More than he wanted more money? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would have gone to Arsenal in a heartbeat. I believe he also does speak Spanish for whatever whatever that's worth. If he wanted a little bit of a, um, I think he learned Spanish when of, he was was at uh, either Swansea or Chelsea. I can't remember. A little bit of an adventure outside of uh, Great Britain. Um, maybe that's another thing to consider. Um, I still but, think yeah. he's a manager that people that you know clubs are going to go for. I, I his next move is fascinating because, like I said, he'll want that that kind of. He'll want a prestige job of some sort. Well, I don't know that a prestige club will like that. Will not you could see him in Italy? We talk about winning the press conference. I don't know that he wins the press conference right now. I, I he wouldn't I, for me. I think you could see him in Italy or somewhere like that. Um, like a good size Italian club. Yeah, I I guess give me a name. Like put a name to that. What, um, what, like what, Lazio, Roma, someone like that? Yes. Say either of the Rome clubs. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I um, think his stock is still pretty okay. In the wake of all this, you know, you kind of referenced this before, but maybe we can go a little bit deeper on it. Um, just like a, a general look at the state of coaching in this league right now. Opta Joe today, JJ, 13. Graham Potter leaving Chelsea is the 13th managerial departure of the season in the Premier League. Now three more in-season departures than in any previous campaign. Uh, Graham Ruthven tweeted this. He said, Roberto De Gerbi is now the 11th longest serving manager in the Premier League. He was appointed in September. Uh, Leander Sherlikens says, Christian Pulisic is about to has, have his fifth Chelsea manager. It's only been four years and change since he signed there. Wow. What's to be made of this? This kind of like this trigger happy, you know, bad patch of form. You're gone. Um, We were joking about South Park the other night and the the scene of, okay, we'll just take your money and we'll put it in this mutual. And it's gone. (laughs) Like that's sort of what managing is right now. Okay, you're doing well. Oh, a little bit of rough patch of form, a loss out of this company and you're fired. I, I, I guess there's just this desperation to stay, to stay at a certain level or to be right at the very top that. I guess managers are expendable now. And and is this, suppose... is this smart? Like forget put aside for the fact is it good business? I don't think it's good business. I mean Chelsea, how many managers are Chelsea paying right now? Like, oh my god. Yeah, you know, so it's pro- it's not good business, but I don't know that if that matters because Premier League ownership has stupid money to the point where they can afford to do it. So put that aside, but in terms of is it smart? Like does it does this make sense? This way of of going about that that role for a club? I mean, it's made sense for Chelsea. It's absolutely made sense for them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, it was part of the Roman way and you can't say they didn't win their fair haul of trophies during that period. It's destabilizing and you're going to get dramatic moments like you get 16-17 uh, uh, Mourinho. Or, no, 15-16 Mourinho, the meltdown. That absolute, you know, 
conversations in the middle of the field and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have that uh, if you chop and change. You're going to have that drama. Um, and also, Chelsea is... The dressing room at Chelsea is so star-studded and has been for like 20 years. There's so much power in there. Like Lampard and 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 uh, John Terry had huge control over who the manager was and when the manager would be fired. Now, I'm not saying that that control exists now, but they're not getting rid of Mudrick. They're not getting rid of uh, Enzo Fernandez. They're not, no, the manager, he's the one to go. So, so I guess I mean that explains a lot of it in top flight football. And um, by the way, I should I should qualify something. I don't think that Brendan Rodgers will get the Lazio job. They're second in the table. I'm just saying a club of that size or stature uh, is possible. More of the profile, not yeah. necessarily the. Yeah, just just before the the Serie A stands, just jump on me. I I do not think that they need to hire him right now. No, no, but I get uh, no. I get what you're I get what you're saying. I understand that. Um, just looking at some of these these managers recently, Conte, Potter, Rogers, whose reputation right now is in the best place? Conte, Rogers, Potter. I'd say Potter still kinda. Ahead of Conte? Uh yeah, oh yeah, Conte's is at the bottom. Really? Even yeah. Rogers is ahead of Conte. Um Wow. I mean, he's the I mean, most they're accomplished. Not, they're not. I don't feel like they're going to be in the same sphere searching for jobs. I th- I think Conte did really the damaging stuff that came out of Tottenham that you read about Conte. It, like we're not going to hear that about Brendan Rodgers. We're not going to hear that about Graham Potter. That they were difficult. I, I, in the opposite about Potter, we got this bizarre line inserted into the uh, the the statement. You you read that right? Yeah. Um, unbelievable line. Um. Graham has agreed to collaborate with the club to facilitate a smooth transition. Yes, he's going to collaborate by clearing out his desk and leaving back the company car. Um, but yet, the stuff that came out about Conte was pretty pretty toxic. Now, there were some players that stood up for him and said, uh, you know, I know Matt Doherty on international duty was like, he's a brilliant manager. He's a great manager. You know, but the, the, the stuff that was coming out of Tottenham was like, the training sessions made no sense. The tactics were weird and boring and the running was relentless and never ending. So I yeah. think Conte, I think it's, Conte will still get a job. He's, I wonder if he's going to get a big job again soon, like a big, big job. Uh, do you see him settling for anything less? No. I can't picture him. at. has got to be where the money is and where the money is is at the top level. And yeah. At the top level, I don't think that they'd really want to give him another run right now. But maybe there's a job he can do where with a smaller sized club that, you know, replenishes his reputation. The next thing, the big clubs are knocking again. But I don't know. I guess putting a bow on all of this, it's interesting. It makes me think in, in having this conversation now about these 13 managerial departures over the course of we're in. We just entered April. Um, like every year during our Premier League preview, we always ask the question, which manager enters the season on the hottest seat? The answer, I mean, we always have an answer for that, and it's there are logical answers to it. But I think the state of this league right now is that the answer is every single one of them. That is the state of this league. You go through a, a bad patch of form that's long enough, and for clubs, that, that span of time will vary. But within the course of a season, it could all happen within the course of a season. Pep might be the only one who's untouchable, um, and, and I guess Klopp. Although I guess... At, I don't know if I would say that heading into next season. I think this season we, he was untouchable. But if it happens again next year, we'll have a different conversation. Almost I, I, every single manager in the league enters a season on a hot seat now. That's the nature of it. And um, 
And now we're and now who's next? Who's next? Is it Steve Cooper, Forrest? Yeah, that could be. They have signed so many players. They li- it would be so much easier just to get rid of him. <laughs> they can't. They've signed half of the rest of every other league. So um I mean, is it Moyes? He's always he's been teetering. I mean, we can talk about if that's a segue into talking about West Ham, what a big win that was for David Moyes. What a, like for the club in general. But what a big win for David Moyes. And he is just, every time you think this is the weekend, he's gone. The rumors are rife. The papers are talking. He's gone after this game. If he doesn't win, he, he just does enough. And uh, and that was a, you know, a massive win. Yeah, and it got them up to, like you said, 14th in the table now, um, which in another season would feel like a oh, breathing room. But it's not. No, I mean they could be they could be right sucked right back in. But the, become, the, the next game, there does come a point in the season, or does there? I guess there does come a point in the season where we can't fire him. No, there's too few games left. I don't, I don't know. I, I might have agreed with you at a, at some point in time, but I just don't know that I feel that way anymore. I think that the need for instant success is so imperative to these teams that are battling for relegation that they'll do anything. Yeah. Anything that they think will help them get a, an instant gratification in terms of points, uh, they'll do it. So I don't know. It's it's it is a all these managers are on week to week contracts. It feels like, but this was like you said, this was so big for him. Um, now look, they beat Southampton at home at the London Stadium, so it's not like you know no. I, I'm not ready to throw him a parade. Southampton are bottom, um, but in terms of just, I love that uh, turn of phrase. By the way, I absolutely love it. What throw a parade? Oh uh, yeah, but I love it when someone goes. Uh, you tell someone something that you've done, and they go, "What do you want a parade?" <laughs> oh, it's so cutting. Yeah, I think you say yes. Actually, I would uh, like one. Where's my parade? I would like one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. South West Ham getting the uh, the first half goal on the header. But that um that VAR review. Uh. And again, I say this as somebody who cringes as he speaks is pro var um i mean like i don't know i'll, I'll just Why never it take up. so long i'll never yeah like if a review takes three minutes to me like that's it it's the decision's been made if you can't tell it counts i totally agree with you the endless parsing and pausing and cutting up there's no need for it and there was no need for it on that one in particular yeah uh, i didn't that's... love it that's the that's the part of this that really does annoy me when these things go on forever like that. When you know that that should be enough to know that okay, if if we can't tell, then whatever we ruled is what it is. Um, but yeah, it, vital for Moyes, vital for vital for West Ham. Um, obviously problematic for Southampton. Can't rule them out, but I mean, of all the clubs right now, early. yeah, of all the clubs right now that are battling to stay up, they are the ones that it, it's. It's looking most likely, I would say, uh, that their fate is getting closer and closer to being sealed. But it's not over. It is certainly not over. And again, their next game, it could change. Three points on the board. And if you know Everton or Leeds lose, then they'll be tied with them. So who knows? It's, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. A couple other games we want to get to, but I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break first, collect ourselves from all this managerial madness, and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about some managers who aren't going anywhere anytime soon. At least we think. Who really knows? Anything's possible. Uh, More caught offside still to come. Don't go anywhere. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. Uh, how was your weekend, my friend? It was great. Sunday was great. So played soccer today. Scored. Oh, assisted. yeah. One two one. So felt, felt wait, good. so involved in both goals. Yeah, man of the match performance, unquestionably. I mean, the manager came up to me afterwards and said, "Who was man of the match?" And I said, F- "Me." <laughs> um, no, it was just so nice that everybody played well. Actually, we put a real shift in. Um, and it was backs backs against the wall in the second half for sure. Um, but we uh. Hey, did you hear me talking about talking like a player in the championship that's just won a game? Yeah, back back against the wall in the second half. I thought the boys done terrific. Came out, you know, gave everything. But I'll, honestly, scoring a goal, it's there's no buzz like it, man. There's nothing like so. My friend Luke is in the right back position, and I'm between the I'm playing centre forward and I'm between between the two centre backs, and he just lofts one up there, and. I get close to the, the first centre-back and I win the header and I just kind of nod it down to myself. And then I realise the other centre-back, is he's gone, he's gone over too far and I'm in and the ball's hopped up and the keeper's off his line oh. and I Ollie Watkins him. Oh. And it hits the net and it's embarrassing because he's trundling back and he turns around just in time to see the ball hit the net. And I go off and I, I just lose it, man. Absolutely lose it. Like, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. It's um beautiful, sunny evening in Astoria. Uh, nice football field under the RFK bridge there. Um, That felt good. That felt good. This isn't boasting or anything. I'm at the end of my days. My, my knees are not going to give me many more years. Let's put it that way. They are, yeah. they are not cooperating. So when I can get into a bit of shape and I can go out and play and, and do good things, it's, uh, it's a buzz. Well, you're only a couple years older than Jimmy Muir was in When Saturday Comes, so I would say your your opportunity is still it's still there. It's still alive. Thirty seven year old Jimmy Muir makes his debut against you, Manchester United in front you, of Pete Postlethwaite. You can still get a trial with a Premier League side. It's not. Oh God, that ship has not sailed. Before we go on to to the rest of the football, I'm often reminded of the one of the greatest debates we had on the podcast. Now that what, you bring it up, what's that? It was, if you are you, like mentally, uh, your game acumen is, the, is exactly the same. Your talent level is, uh, but, but you have the, the fitness and the speed of a Premier League footballer. Would you score a goal? Your understanding of the game is exactly as it is. Uh, your technical ability is the same, but you are as fit 
and as strong and as quick as a Premier League footballer, would you score? Right. Yeah, I'm of the belief that I would not. <laughs> yeah. And I feel pretty confident in that. Maybe an own goal. I don't know. I could see you scoring one off one of your hammy legs. I mean, in my when I played intramurals in college, I scored twice. But um, twice. Ooh, yeah, very nice. Nah. Uh, but same same question in put to basketball. Would I score a point if I if you had if everything about me was the same except I had like six, if I was like, six five and you're that's probably small. Then. A six, thousand six, a thousand percent, I would score a point. Okay. That, yes. That I feel comfortable in. At some point, someone's going to leave me, and I can shoot. So, like, I'll, I can hit a shot. Even so, with your even with your bad shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it'll hurt after the game, but during the game, I, I could, yes, I could do that. Um, okay. let's see, JJ, Manchester United, Newcastle, two nil, and it could have been it. Pro- it could have been worse. I mean, just watching like the first half of this one, um, you know, De Gea's double save. Amazing Joe, Joe Willock with with an awful miss um, after Alan St. Maximin kind of played him through. He's alone on goal and just blasts one well over the net. I mean, it, it really could have been four. Uh, United had four. one shot on target. Yeah. For the whole 90 minutes. They were, it was so flat. It was unbelievable. I mean, they were so, so poor. And uh, Reuters are saying that a Manchester United hold players only meeting after unacceptable loss. They For sure did. Manchester- What's that? They sure did. Luke Shaw talked about it. Yeah, he said that we had to speak out in front of each other. I'm not going to go too much into that, but the players had a bit of a chat in the changing room after with no staff around because it's down to us players on the pitch and it was nowhere near good enough. I hope Luke Shaw was looking in the mirror and talking to himself at some point because he wasn't exactly uh, pulling up any trees. I mean, none, of, none of them played well. No, nobody played well. And it was um, there was a little montage that uh, NBC put together of just kind of what I would describe as pissing and moaning. Now, Bruno was at it. He's always at it. Anthony was at it. Um, who else was doing it? Uh, Martial was doing it a little bit. Uh, the defenders were doing it. Like, just general, not not good vibes, I'd put it that way. From JJ, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a point with Bruno. Yeah. I'm getting uh, to a point. And he's a great player. He's a great player. Um, but I was, I was in Philadelphia over the weekend at my parents' house, and I, my my dad was watching with me and he's kind of like, he's not really into it, but he'll always watch when I'm there sure. and he's kind of asking questions. And, you know, when there's a couple scenes, it was, I think in the first half where Bruno, he's, he's gesticulating and he's whining. Yeah. And my dad's it's like, my dad is like, God, enough with this guy. And I was like, I yes, know. yes. I was like, in, in these 30 seconds of video highlights you've you've now experienced what this guy is about and it's just i want to like him because i love his game and he's like i said he's a great player but oh my god i I can't take it anymore with the whining i mean if he's if jurgen klopp is my moaner in chief manager this is bruno's his captain uh and it's it's just it's it it affects my enjoyment of him as a player and i and i feel as if we've seen it as manchester united have got better this season we've seen more of it not less and he's he's hard to stomach now. He was t- he was a disgrace at Anfield, um, and I wouldn't mind. He played one of my favorite passes of the season. Um, today in like the first minutes of the game, he's on the right hand side. The ball is bouncing. Rashford's gone on a run, and he like slice half volleys it along the along the ground with enough backspin. Like it's 
perfect. Mm. It was perfect. He's great. I, 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 I can't look at his face. I cannot look at his face. It's in a permanent... He is like... He's, I was going to say something, but I won't say it. He's like a bulldog licking piss off a nettle. He's just permanently upset looking. And it's... Yeah. It, I. I wouldn't like... Would you like playing with him? I don't think I would. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure his teammates view him differently than like... Because they know him off the field. They know like... We just know the clips that we see on TV watching when he's mad at a referee. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily a fair representation of a guy. Um, but I know that it's annoying. And I'm sure his teammates at some point or another have also been annoyed. And I'm get. I, it wouldn't stun me to find out that like that came up like it, you know, these bad body language guys, like again, as a Sixers fan, I, I love Joel Embiid, but like when the chips are down, like it's yeah. all over his face. And I don't think that helps when the the best player on a team, the chips are is, all is, over his face is, is, is when a best player on the team is wearing it like that. Yeah, I know you're right. Uh, and you can just see the negativity kind of like coming off of him. It's I, yeah, it probably does have an effect on guys around them. So United were so, uh, nowhere in this game that we are inevitably going to fast forward to the what a job Eddie Howe is doing segment. How jubilant were they after that game? Oh, oh my God. I thought the same thing. Mm. The lap of honor, like the blowing kisses to the crowd. Like, look, this was a, this was a huge win. There's no question about Definitely. it. And I'm sure it felt even better for them. Uh, and they spoke about this afterwards, doing it to Manchester United after they just lost to them recently, still within their minds, uh, losing them in a Carabao Cup final. Um, so this was this was obviously this was one of the, one of the key moments of the season for them. But I thought that too uh, that this they were really they were really soaking this one in afterwards. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it, but it was noticeable. Uh, I need the listeners to help me out because I didn't get a chance to rewind back and 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 hear it. But did Peter Drury? Because Peter Drury got real poetic at the end of this one. Did he describe Newcastle United or, or the stadium as a shining cathedral on a hill? I miss that. If he did, I, I feel like he did. I and could. I mean, it's. I could see it. Like it wouldn't. It I, wouldn't be the most poetic thing he's ever said. I um. I wanted to retch when I heard it. <laughs> I oh no, Peter! No, 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 no. But yeah, I thought it was very jubilant. Um. They were very, very good. And they should have scored more, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And they were good at both ends. I mean, what a game. Like Dan Byrne, what a game he had. Um, Inspiring the crowd. You see yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was, yeah, it's interesting for Newcastle because I was kind of, you know, they went through their, that, that span of time where, like, draw with West Ham, draw with Bournemouth, yeah. get beat pretty convincingly by Liverpool, Lou, and then, Right after that, lose the League Cup final to United, then come back from that, lose to Man City. You start to think like I to me it looked like this is a team that had run out of gas. Yeah. That they had a good season, but they had run out of like their race was run and it was over for them. And maybe I mean it's still you know I don't know that it's definitive, but since that loss to Man City, they've won three straight. Now two of those are against Nottingham Forest and Wolves. Um, who are both you know potential relegation candidates, but this one to Manchester United, 
there was you know there was nothing shaky about this nor shaky necessarily about the opposition you know, we think pretty highly of united and this was one of newcastle's best performances of the season so maybe you know similar to what happened with arsenal they went through that shaky patch we thought ah maybe this is the moment where man city overtake them and no they righted the ship and now they're on this incredible win streak and it looks like it's their once again clearly their league to lose maybe the same can be said for newcastle and eddie howe has managed to steady the ship and and once again, that we could be looking at a situation where top four is theirs to lose. Yeah, I I think we are heading towards that, considering the upheaval in other clubs. It 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 might uh, that result really might put Newcastle in the driver's seat. Um, it was a pretty interesting day at St James's Park. I wonder about United a little bit. Um, in what sense, Andrew? Well, just the sense of you know, we had kind of decided. Okay, this this is. A successful season. It's happened. I still think that. I think winning a trophy, the first trophy available to a new manager, if you can get it, I think that's just that's a huge thing um, to kind of build off of moving forward. Uh, but I wonder if there's a little bit of maybe complacency that set in after that. Um, you know, they they won that game against Newcastle. Then they did come back. They beat West Ham. But then you know the the seven nil against Liverpool came right after that. Um, you know they they got by Real Betis fairly handily in the Europa yeah. League, but but then they you know now this though against Newcastle I I just I don't know it's, am I reaching to wonder if maybe a little bit of fart smelling went on after that League Cup victory Oh I I think it definitely did um and you know what maybe we were dealing our own gases because we were saying what a good job uh, Ten Hag had done blah 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 still work to do there's still a work in progress there's just no question about that. Um, and the attitude was so far off at Anfield and so far off what it needs to be at St. James's Park today that it um, Ten Hag is going to have to bust out the discipline, Daddy, again. I know that I know we're hearing that they're self-disciplining, but um, yeah. The only thing that makes me wonder about it, though, is it's kind of, for whatever success they've had this season, seeing them struggle at Anfield, at St. James Park, it's pretty consistent with who they are this season away from home, away from Old Trafford. They've been terrible. I don't think they've won a game against... I think Sky Sports had a graphic of... Uh, they have not won or tied a single top nine team away from Old Trafford this season. No. So I, I don't know what that is. There's, how you explain that? Yeah. There's also like curious things happening. So missing Casemiro is a big problem. Clearly, yeah. Um, And... I don't Sabitzer and, and McTominay's not gonna just not gonna cut it really. Vote Veghorst leading the line there. So Gary Neville, I, I referenced it a little bit earlier. He spoke about that. And he said that Eric Ten Hag was really let down by Manchester United's January transfer window. I that Veghorst being the move, it just is not it's just not something that a, a club with the man with Manchester United's ambition, that can't be it. I mean, they're paying Burnley for his services. You know, it it can't be it. It doesn't. It doesn't look right. There's 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 always a clever signing, um, or there traditionally has been at Manchester United, where they bring in a player where I didn't automatically think that would work amazingly well. Like Teddy Sheringham strikes me as one of those, and it it just it works so well. Um, but there's none of that payoff with with Veghorst. Like none of it, neither goals nor assists nor link up play. You can't point me to the metric that says 
this is what he does for the team and doesn't he do it well? It's very, very odd and suggests exactly what you said that um, Ten Hag was absolutely scrambling to try and get somebody in and that somebody just happened to be a guy he knew. And so now this team in Manchester United that uh, only a few weeks ago were being debated as, uh, are they part of the title race? Maybe. You had some people that thought that. Um, well, now they've been sucked right into a top four race. They're, they sit fourth. Newcastle just leapfrogged them. Um, and United are, are just one point ahead of Tottenham, uh, who are fifth right now. 49 points. United and Newcastle both tied on 50 points. Newcastle, though, with a far superior goal difference. United United's goal difference is just plus four. Tottenham have a better goal difference. Brighton do. If Brighton can get back in this race, which, by the way, they have a game at hand on United, so they could kind of close the gap, but... Um, so yeah, all of a sudden the, the fight that United are going to be in is not for a title. It's going to be to finish in a champions league place. And if that goes differently, I know we've kind of proclaimed this season to be a success. They got that trophy. We'll see what happens in the Europa mm-hmm. league. But if they, if they, for what, for some reason, I don't foresee it, but for some reason, if they don't finish top four, we, we might be having a much different conversation about how we view the season in our, uh, season recap. I think you might be right, Andrew. I do think that. But having said that, I'll, I'll say right now, I don't expect that. I believe that they'll, I think they'll finish top four. That's that's where my head's at with them. And I think they might even win the Europa League as well. And then if they do that, if they win two trophies and a top four finish, <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess what I'm saying is it all is still to be determined as to how the season will be judged. Yeah. United. I think if you look at the Europa League, though, there's kind of going to be an expectation they win it. There really is. There is... Uh... A lot of just teams in it. <laughs> they are the biggest team outside. Well, Juve are there, but Juve aren't Juve anymore. Uh, I mean, look, af- after they beat Barcelona in that competition, we kind of like Barcelona are going to cruise to to a La Liga trophy this season. Like you're not going to face tougher opposition than that. No, look at the quarterfinals, uh, Feyenoord, Roma, Juventus Sporting, uh, Leverkusen, uh, Union uh, San Gilways or however you say that. Uh, ba, 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 ba. I mean, they've got their natural enemy, <laughs> the team that keeps thwarting them in Sevilla. But yeah, it's it. You're right. It would be. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean that there's not other difficult opposition in this. But after you, like I said, after you've beaten Barcelona, you kind of feel that you know it, that it should be yours. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't have too much else, JJ. I do want to at least mention, I mean, a game that, God, in recent seasons, Manchester City, Liverpool, heaven and earth, everything stops for that game. Still feels big, but obviously it's not quite what it was with Liverpool having the season that they're having, with City not top of the table right now. Still important for both, as Liverpool are trying to get into the top four race themselves, and City are trying to at some point overtake Arsenal, although Arsenal are are not making that easy for City at all. Um, I'll say this, though. I mean, it was uh, it was a fantastic performance for Manchester City. And I know I said this a month or month and a half or so ago. um, But I mean, Jack Grealish, maybe his best game yet for this club. And I think you know, maybe his style is going to be a little bit different than what it was at Aston Villa. I know you talk about that a lot. He still is on the ball a lot. He still generates so much creativity for them in attack. He still draws so many fouls for them. 
there are obviously going to be differences in a pep system, but a lot of the things that he did well for Villa, we're starting to see it again. And his name just goes on that list of guys who go and play for Pep at Man City. It takes a year for them to figure it out. Gundawan, like guys, like there's there's plenty of guys who come to mind. Um, and I think he's he's on that list now. It took him a year, maybe a little bit more, uh, but I think we're seeing what it could look like. And he looks like Jack Grealish. Like he looks, he was great. He was just great. Yeah, he was very, very good. Um, Liverpool scored a great goal, there's no question. Uh, and you thought maybe, particularly in the first half, it was going to be one of those. Second half, City just, I mean, opened them up. But Liverpool opened themselves up, which is which is the real kicker. And th- the way Klopp spoke to Des Kelly of BT Sports after the game was what concerned me massively. You know, he said, it, um, if you can't control the two City Sixes and you can't control the two Tens, you have no chance... We were so open. It's unacceptable. You can't be that open. This just cannot happen. And he kind of listed all the things that couldn't happen. And one of the things he listed was not even getting a tackle in in midfield. And mm-hmm. that's what I keep going back to with the, the high energy of what this midfield used to be with Henderson, Fabinho, and Wijnaldum. And Henderson and Fabinho, older, not in form. Harvey Elliott then it, it, alongside. It's just, it's... I don't know how he... There's a lot needs to be done, and I, I don't think the coaxing Jew Bellingham to the club is going to solve everything, not by a long shot. Um, and uh, just they were so open, Andrew. Like, in a way, you just cannot be against City. Now, Pep said uh, he felt that, you know, it was a perfect performance after the after the goal and, 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 and how well they played, and for 93 minutes, it was it was great stuff. And, and I think that's fair, but... I've never seen, or it's rare that you see, in fact, I've never seen a Liverpool team play so openly into the hands of Manchester City. Like you're going back, you're going back to the, what, the Sadio Mane sending off where he crashed into Ederson, kicked Ederson. And remember, they they beat them heavily that day. Uh You're going back to that and and that had mitigating circumstances. Um, This was... You think of last season, the two two twos, the two games that were two two, brilliant games of football with Liverpool at a pitch and a pace. Uh, they did not look anything close to that. And one final thing on this one that really concerned me was the way um, Pop spoke afterwards. He didn't say it to Des Kelly of BT. He said it to BBC Radio Five Live, where he said, uh, "You know, if uh, City had been greedier." It could have been much more than four. So thanks for that. This is... uh... Yeah, he said that uh, even if Liverpool were a man up in this one, it wouldn't have been been close. Thanks Um, for that, though. He kind of said almost apologetically, he sounded very, very defeated. And indeed, they were very, very defeated. That was... uh, That's as rough a 45 as as you'll see. And... um, I have just so many question marks over this side now. Going forward with the manager, what needs to be done? Can it be done? How serious are the owners about putting money in? Are they actually halfway out the door? So, so many questions. Director of football, the staff that have left, Klopp's own view of the future. Um, the summer is going to be so interesting for Liverpool and it needs to be some kind of a reset. And I'm not even sure you can reset to, to eighteen nineteen Liverpool. Or 1920 Liverpool. I'm not sure I you mean, can. That, that will be difficult. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, there there could still be good days 
under this manager. You know, I, I, I believe that. Um, couple things outside of the Premier League before we get out. Uh, Der Klassiker was over the weekend. And what, I mean, this is, if you want to, t- if you want to use the term statement win, to me, this qualifies. I mean, I know it, the score line becoming 4-2 at the end maybe makes it look a little closer than it was. Yeah. The Bayern going up 4-0 at one point, now leapfrogging Borussia Dortmund to move into back into first place in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, it's like we, we always say week to week, you know, does does one game have a correlation with the next? I don't know. Uh, oftentimes it's proven that it doesn't. But I don't know. Watching that, it feels a little bit hard in this moment for me to believe that we don't that they relinquish that top spot in the table again this season. You never know. But I think Bayern have to be feeling pretty good about themselves after that game. Uh, for definite. Although, does, does anyone else feel good about it? Not really. This was billed as going to be this big game, this big showdown. Yeah. And it's, uh, to be honest with you, I was doing something and I got distracted and I ended up watching a different game. And then I thought, oh, their classicers on. And I said, I'll just check the scoreline first before I fire up ESPN+. Plus. Ah, and I didn't bother. <laughs> Watch highlights yet. I just didn't bother. So disappointing. Really yeah, disappointing. No, I mean, 3 0 after 23 minutes, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, if you were if you were excited for a a, a potential intense title turning, this is the year that Bayern are finally unseated. Like you lost on multiple levels. In I this wonder one. what odds I'd get on uh, Tommy Tactics winning uh, winning the Bundesliga, raising the Bundesliga trophy, and raising the Champions League as well. Oh my god, <laughs> it could happen. Like it's it's not crazy, right? The smuggest man in Europe. Is he, he that? Oh, he would be if he did that. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. After the way things ended at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Thousand percent. Uh, um, also, in La Liga, um, despite Real Madrid won on Sunday 6-0, but that's only after uh, Barcelona won on Saturday 4-0. Uh, two goals from Lewandowski. Um, Ferran Torres got one and a, an important goal maybe for Ansu Fati after he had quite an interesting week where his father came out and said that his son needs to leave the club. There were some reports that Ansu Fati maybe didn't agree necessarily, wasn't thrilled that his father made those comments, but felt like a good felt like a good time for him to score a goal. Um so, but Barcelona can, keeping their their grip right now on the top of the table in La Liga um, after a pretty impressive performance from them. I should uh, mention as well my beloved Napoli took an absolute thumping yeah. which was uh, at the hands of AC Milan. Now, they're like 90 million points clear uh, in Syria. They're, what, 16 points clear of Lazio. Um, so, I mean, that's that should be that. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it was... To be beaten, shut out at home, and Milan score four, it's not great. And um, y- you hope now that, uh, that Napoli pick it up now and, like, finish finish it out. And don't kind of do a limp over the line. Not that it matters. I mean, it, it won't matter. I, it, I don't think that. I don't think that matters. I just wonder if it has any correlation. Like, will it mean anything from a Champions League perspective? Like, I think that they that's a good point. They've won the league. They've won the league. They're they're fine. Yeah. Um, but is it a sign that you know maybe they're tiring in some way? Maybe there's complacency. Like, will they be able to just flick the switch back on for Champions League play? I think that would be the thing that I would wonder a little bit more about. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and then one other note, PSG losing again at home. And I didn't see this coming, but like this was 
I don't know. Like we're sitting here talking about Napoli. They've won the league. That was being said about PSG not so long ago, but suddenly not quite so much. Just reading from the BBC, PSG have lost seven of their 18 matches in all competitions since the end of the World Cup, having been unbeaten in all 22 games before the World Cup break. The perennial French champions are now only six points above Lens and Marseille with nine games left. I'd still pick them, but it's a race now. It's gotten interesting. Uh, and then there's reports, not reports, you could you could see it and hear it. Uh, Messi's name being booed and whistled uh, at the start. Now, it was counterbalanced somewhat. There were fans who clearly were supporting him as well. And there were uh, some fans who were saying, I was saying boo earns. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit of boo earns going on. <laughs> um, you know, some of that, I think, there's probably a combination of many reasons for that. Obviously, Messi defeating France in a World Cup final, Messi coming to PSG and you know, purely for Champions League reasons and them not experiencing Champions League success. Uh, PSG in this bad moment right now, losing games at home, shut out at home, 1-0, uh, and a title race back on. They're probably going to get on Messi before they do Mbappe. Uh, links of Messi to Miami, to Barcelona, yeah. uh, as he's playing games for PSG. Um, so like, I guess there's any number of reasons for it. It's just, I don't know, it's just interesting to see it because it's just... How many places would that happen uh, where this guy who's a, a soccer deity uh, having his name for his own team kind of booed in that way? But it's it's a week-to-week sport, like we have said about 10 times on this podcast tonight. Um, so just just found that interesting as PSG are going through a, a rough patch. You know what? Year. I find you interesting. Oh, that's very nice. Can I suggest something? Because it is bugging me. We should just go back to this bar at the weekend. Next uh, weekend, we go back, we wear our nicest clothes, and we walk in, and we just stone face it. Hey, weren't you those geeks that showed up the last time? No. No. Give me a glass of wine. I'd like to see the security camera footage, because I wonder if we... Now, here's how we were dressed. I was dressed... What was I even wearing? It's okay. I I, oh, button down... Uh, Sleeveless shirt, sleeveless shirt, short sleeve shirt, uh, whatever. Um, one of our friends was kind of uh, wearing, just wearing a jacket, a hat. He was about to go on his e-scooter. Uh, you had your backpack on. I had come from work. You come from work. So maybe they maybe they didn't like that um, elements. And so then you're RJ, blaming me. RJ looked like RJ, magnificent hair. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It was just bad. I I just feel I don't want to be judged like that by by strangers. I'm just what? saying I, I would like to see the security camera footage because I, I, I can't help but wonder if this is one of those situations where we viewed ourselves differently than what reality actually was. Because we let's be honest now, we had had a few before we got there. In my oh. head, we showed up and we were prim and proper. You know, <laughs> oh, the weather today. Oh, yeah. The stock market. Oh, yes. Yes. The Dow. Hmm. But maybe if you saw the security camera footage, it's more like you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Did you just drop one? Where are my shoes? Are these my feet? Right. So that I want to know. I kind of want to know what what was reality. Maybe the bar. Maybe they were well within our in their rights to treat us the way that they did. Maybe, maybe. But it was a fun night. It was. Sure a fun was. Night. Oh man, it really was. Co- complicated media talk for most of dinner. <laughs> uh this was fun i enjoyed this podcast as well this was also a fun night uh as always please rate review whether that be on apple Podcasts, on spotify on both hell everywhere 
Yeah. everywhere we need to get the ratings on apple right the way up okay so you need to hit apple very very hard and also uh keep going people it's so easy to rate on spotify people just do it apple little bit more effort but please please do it um and and uh and yeah we have another podcast coming out this week that's going to be brilliant uh we might get to some of your letters someone sent us a letter the other day that was just so complimentary and nice that because I'm Irish, when I read it, I instantly wanted to swallow my own face oh. because I can't take compliments. I'm, I'm unable to believe that I'm anything other than a piece of S. Yeah, so I get I got, that. When I got this beautiful email, um, let me tell you who it was from. It was from uh, Callum Richmond. Okay. It was, it was just so, Callum, so nice. Really appreciated it, but all uh, also at the same time, I can't hear these things. Yeah, it was um, too nice. It was certifiably. Oh, oh a beautiful, beautiful uh, email. But um, thanks to everyone who listens. But definitely rate and subscribe and do the whole thing. We we need uh, we need you to constantly do that um, because we are independent. And um, I'm also um, just I don't want to play this card, but I'm having a child. <laughs> and until you have a child, you don't realize the financial implications of your life. It's a great point. It's a tremendous point. One of the best points ever made on this podcast, to be completely honest. Um, yeah, we'll have another uh, midweek pod. Should be fun. There's a lot of midweek action. Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, CONCACAF Champions League returns. I know I'm looking forward to that. Uh, who knows how many other managers will have lost their job between now and Wednesday evening. Uh, so stay tuned for all of it. I really want to get an opportunity to say what a job uh, that Gary O'Neill is doing. Oh, well, we'll see if you have that opportunity. Stay tuned, everyone. Uh, for that hey this was this was fun my friend to you i say check you later fun boy i'll see you take care you've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.